Good morning, everybody. This is the Marcus Today Members Podcast coming at you on Wednesday, 22nd of November. And a bit of a pause on Wall Street overnight. They, of course, are, as you know, coming up to the Thanksgiving holiday on Thursday. They'll be open tonight, but they're shut on Thursday and a half day on Friday. So it's all a bit quiet this week. And a lot of our strategy holdings and ideas are just coming off the top a little bit. LNAS in particular up 19.3% in 20 days and down 2% today as the Nasdaq dropped 0.6%. And after hours, as you probably know, NVIDIA's shares or NVIDIA has had after hours results and this could potentially have lit up the big tech sector again and the Nasdaq and FANGs and LNAS. And the results are very good better than expected. They say demand will outstrip supply until at least August next year, or their order book is full until August next year. But they did warn about a significant decline in Chinese sales and Middle East sales. But the Chinese sales, thanks to export curbs coming in next year, there would be a significant drop-off in the fourth quarter of next year. And that seems to have dulled the share price. No major move overnight, and it could easily regather tonight, but down 1.2% or so in after hours trade, which is hardly setting the market alight. So just coming off the top a little bit here, I don't think there's any material selling. Volumes are low. It's to be expected after such a solid rally, but all the signs are still there. Bond yields are still coming off the top. US bond yields down two basis points and four basis points overnight. Australian bond yields down four and five basis points overnight. The Fed minutes were out last night as well. They pretty much confirmed what we already knew, which is that the Fed will not be raising rates again unless inflation re-accelerates. So something out of the ordinary has to happen. There wasn't much of a reaction to that. So I haven't done anything today, haven't sold anything. We were very tempted to sell our LNAS holding, locking in a 20% gain. It's 2.7 times leverage to the NASDAQ, but we decided not to in the end. If you look at the charts of LNAS or the NASDAQ rather, it hasn't quite reached the top of the range. There is, however, a very short-term sell signal on RSI on the daily chart, but it's not enough to move us. Maybe we should take a profit sometime. Anyway, we thought about it, didn't do it. So all our ideas, as I say, shaded a little bit today. Domain holdings down 3.3%, which puts us up 1% so far on that trade. We've lost a bit of a profit there. But everything else looking okay. The Nasdaq ETF's up 8%. The FANG ETF's up 8.7%. The S&P 500 ETF's up 7%. GPT's up 8%. CBA, 6%. And Qantas, 6%. Telstra down 2%. Not fussed by that very low volatility stock. In the strategy portfolio, I've sort of emphasized today that the strategy portfolio is not really a trading portfolio. It is a market timing portfolio. We sat for 120 days there in cash made the decision to get back into the market. I don't see us changing that decision unless something comes out of left field we're not expecting. I sort of feel we should write that strategy update once a week rather than once a day. That portfolio is up 4.4% since we got back into the market. BHP doing okay today. We're now up 5.6% since we bought BHP in the BHP one stock portfolio. If you have a look at the chart of BHP, you'll see that it's broken out to the upside. So very happy with that trend at the moment. Macquarie, on the other hand, 
We're up 3.8% since we got back into that in the Macquarie one stock portfolio. I think it's a long haul to expect a resurrection of equity market enthusiasm and for the investment banks to pull out of this deal slump they've been in for a year in order for M&A and IPO activity to pick up and for volumes in the stock market to pick up and for asset prices to go up. Macquarie earns a percentage on a lot of assets. So we need asset value prices going up. For all that to happen, we need something more significant than a two-week rally in the equity market. And if you look at Macquarie, it's still in a downtrend. It's had a rally in a downtrend so far, hasn't broken the downtrend. So not thoroughly convinced by the Macquarie trend, got to tell you. But that's okay. We're back in. We're doing okay. No stress. So that's the portfolios for today. No change and fairly happy with everything at the moment. Bit disappointed NVIDIA didn't light things up. I've put in my section today links to the better shares currency ETFs just to point out the bottoming in the US, sorry, the bottoming in the Aussie dollar, which was caused by a topping out in bond yields and a topping out in the US dollar, would have been a really good trade. The better shares strong Australian dollar fund, which is an ETF, is up 12.4% in 18 days. It was a bit silly not to do it, really. It was a good idea, a good trade. We were on to it. The idea that the US dollar would drop if bond yields peaked and that the Aussie dollar would therefore rally. There's also been a bit of help from hopes for Chinese stimulus, the perpetual hopes for Chinese stimulus. But we could have made ourselves 10% there in a very low volatility currency ETF, and we didn't. And as I look at that, I realize Better Shares has a strong Australian dollar ETF and a strong US dollar ETF. Both of those are geared 2 to 2.75% to a 1% movement in the currencies. So effectively, if you were a good but sensible low risk, currency trader or had a currency view, you could switch between AUDS, which is the strong Australian dollar, which you'd be in at the moment, and the YANK, Y-A-N-K, which is the strong US dollar fund. So you could trade the Aussie US currency with gearing of 2 to 2.75 times through those two ETFs. Just an idea. If you've got a view on the currency, that might be the way to do it. I know there are a lot of CFD platforms that offer Forex trading. Just to point out why CFD platforms offer Forex trading, they started out offering CFDs over equities, stocks like BHP. You could bet on BHP going up or down, and it is a bet because your money goes into their bank account. It's like a TAB account. A lot of these CFD platforms, your money goes into their bank account, and their game is to, like a TAB account or a betting account, a sport bet account and Ned's account is to get you to gamble it away in as quick a time as possible. And by the way, if some of these platforms went bust, you have to ask, where is the money? The administrators will seize the bank accounts. And if your money is sitting in their bank account, it disappears. So where is your money going? If you trade shares through a full service broker, for instance, your money sits in your own Macquarie cash management account, for instance, it doesn't sit with the broker and your shares are registered with the registrar of each company that you buy. So a broker could go bust and it wouldn't affect you at all. You'd still have your cash in an account and you'd still have your shares in your name. But if these CFD platforms go bust, some of them are putting the money in their own bank accounts and you have little more than a ledger entry that under the terms of your contract with them, with them they will pay you the difference between the price you bought and the price you 
sold. So with the betting nature of a lot of those CFD platforms, the game is to get you to bet as much as possible and use up your standard $10,000 dump in their account as quickly as possible. So BHP, for instance, when they first started offering CFDs over equities, BHP trades between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., trades for six hours a day. It might tick two or three times a minute, and it's slow going, whereas the Forex market is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and ticks multiple times times a second so you can see if they can get you gambling on forex rather than equities your 10 grand disappears a lot faster that is why there was so much advertising of forex trading so trading cfds over currencies from the comfort of your own kitchen is a fallacy it is just gambling and this option dealing in the better shares etfs provides you a much lower volatility but still quite interesting with its 2 to 2.7 times leverage. Still quite interesting upside and downside if you get it right. So there you go. Have a look at my section. There are a few ungeared currency ETFs. There's a US dollar USD ETF, which is the ungeared version. There's the POU ETF, which is the British pound. And there's the EEU, which is the euro. So I'm talking about the two geared ones, which is AUDS, geared to the Aussie dollar, and Yen. Yank, Y-A-N-K, geared to the US dollar, might be a way to trade your currency views if you have one. Clearly at the moment, the view is if bond yields are going to come off, if this is a material pivot point in bonds, then the US dollar as a safe haven currency and with a yield based on US bond yields is going to be going down. So you'd be in AUDS at the moment. Anyway, just a thought. Uh, the other observation day is uranium. We're still tossing up whether to get involved in uranium, but both the uranium ETFs, URNM and Atom, have broken out on the upside, broken their trading ranges. Uranium price at $80 a pound for the first time in 15 years. The expression which is tantalizing is global nuclear renaissance. There's a global nuclear renaissance going on. And is it short term or long term? If it's long term, we should be buying Paladin probably, which is a seasoned uranium play that is expected to get back into production next year and if it does it'll transform its revenue and earnings profile and it won't be sitting where it is now and of course there are the ETFs you can play in. A few stories today Webjet's had results. Webjet's results show a big recovery from the COVID damage the year before. If you're looking for a recovery stock their number of bookings went from 3.4 million to 4.4 million. That's huge growth in the number of bookings. Their revenue was up 39% and underlying earnings up 41%. Travel has returned. Just to point out, have a look at my section today. We'll have a look at Webjet tomorrow when the research is in after the results. The share price today, by the way, is up 0.8%, so it hasn't really moved very much. But have a look in my section at the broker research on Webjet. Prior to the results, the average target price is 30% above the current share price. Two brokers have updated their research today, Citigroup and UBS. They both have buy recommendations. Their target price are 32% and 35% above the current share price. 
a recovery play. Right, other stories today quickly. Medibank Private down 2% on its AGM. Tech stocks not doing too well today, down 1.24%, the worst performing sector. That comes on the back of the NVIDIA results, I think. Resources outperforming today. BHP up 1%, Rio up 0.7%. CSL up 1% and is now up 12% from the bottom. Premium down 29% AGM today and presenting a weak outlook for the year ahead or for the first half of 2024. Helios come out of its capital raising. We knew this was going to be a disaster. HLS is the code, down 29.3%, has completed a $154 million share offer at $1.20, and the share price has gone straight to $1.20. Bubs in a trading halt, BUB, ahead of a capital raising, and Levisa up 0.7% on sales numbers for the first half, which were down a little bit. New Farmex dividend today. Buyout vote on Origin Energy tomorrow, shares up 1.2% today and that'll probably about do us the lull before the holiday our market's been down nine up 12 very narrow range at the moment shows you nothing's going on we are up seven as i leave you dow futures up eight nasdaq futures down 28 lithium stocks down today all came down four percent pilbara minerals down 1.9 mineral resources down 1.7 and despite the uranium price, Paladin down 3.1% today. That'll probably do you. You have a good day. I'll be back with the end of day podcast. Bye.